Welcome to today's episode of the Ain't That Good podcast with Chelsea, Brandy, Tanya, Keisha, and you. Today we are talking about why you should cut a hole in the roof. So pull up a chair and join us as we reframe life one conversation at a time. All right, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> well, well, back. Um, we uh, are so excited to be with you guys again. We've got a lot to talk about today, as always. Uh, a lot of words coming out of the four of us. So uh, if you guys, <laughs> we have a lot of words between all four of us, some more than others. But um, anyways, excited to be with you guys today. So we want to talk about just kind of building on our conversations of community today is our plan. But first, we just kind of want to catch up with everybody and see what's been going on in life lately. So Tanya, how about you? So it is summertime at the Stanley household. And what that looks like for me professionally is in the summer, I get to provide aquatic therapy uh, with the kids that I see on the land during the school year. I get to see in the water during the summertime. I love it. It is one of my most favorite things that I get to do. And it is awesome. Nice. That's about the only new thing in my life right now. Summertime. Summertime. All right, Chelsea, how about you? We had some wind gusts of epic (laughs) proportions here a few days ago. We've been having some weather in Dothan. And there's an unfortunate story with that weather. Um, We have two orphaned cats that are still very, very small. And they were in a kennel on the porch. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. We got home right as the bottom was breaking loose out of this ginormous storm cloud. And so my first priority was to get my kids and my mom inside. And so we get inside and the rain is pouring down. So first of all, our trampoline takes off, hits my car, and then flips end over end over our trailer. And my kids are screaming, the cats, the cats. (laughs) <laughs> and the kennel that they were in was on rollers and so it was just like every six inches just another six inches closer to the stairs close to the stairs and the wind was so high I tried to open our door and I could not open the door to the trailer I've never experienced that and I'm from Arkansas we've been through we've been through a lot of tornadic activity I've lived in Oklahoma but I could not get the door to my trailer open and so as I'm trying to get this trailer door open with my kids and my mom screaming the cats the cats the cats take flight they are picked up in the kennel and away they went this was like a true wizard of oz oh no flying. and you know immediately all my kids are like yeah yes they're dead and I was like, and in my head, after, you know, my mouth was like, no, they're fine. But in my head was like, yeah, they probably did. Um, but we did find them. We did find the kitties. So that was That's funny. And they were good, right? The kitties were generally good. fine. Yeah. they Kitties are alive uh, and well. Broke. When it hit the ground, it broke the gate off of the front. And so they went up under my car after that and they survived. They're Praise going the totally fine. I mean, they're so ugly. They Well, that's a whole other story. But. <laughs> Yes, they're alive and well. So the the kittens, we've seen a picture of the kittens, and one of them is bald, which I thought was a result of the storm. I didn't know, Keisha. I said, is that pre-storm or post-storm baldness? <laughs> Y'all thought the storm <laughs> 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 
But Chelsea, you have to tell about um, you telling Rome that Jesus was coming back. During the storm, it was like my my first is very skittish about bad weather. He's like, "Mom, it does not look good." And I was like, "Well, Jesus is returning." He's like, "That is not true. Are you sure?" <laughs> it's like, "No, I'm not sure, son." But he said Jesus would never come back in a gray cloud. He would come back in a white cloud. I'm like, "Well, you got a good point. Maybe that's true." Mm-hmm. That's so funny. <laughs> oh man, well, they lost two lives, but they're still there. Kittens are still there. Still kicking. All right. Well, we are going to get right into our conversation today. Uh, If you guys heard us in the intro, we talked about we are going to be talking about uh, why you should cut a hole in the roof. And so we are going to break that down for you guys. What in the world are we talking about cutting a hole in a roof? Uh, Today, we're going to talk about why we want to lower people through the roof and what that looks like and how we've all experienced it. So uh, for those of you who may not know what we're referencing, uh, Chelsea is going to actually read some scripture to uh, show you guys where we're headed with this. Okay, we're going to be in Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him, him being Jesus, to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Uh, So this particular passage, uh, we were talking about just friendship and community in our group text, and uh, I had mentioned this scripture uh, to our crew here, and really it was because of that statement of Jesus saying when he saw their faith. And I think I've read that story a zillion times, but I'm not sure at what point the word there actually clicked and really settled in uh, to the fact that it wasn't the man's faith, that it was their faith, that it was the faith of those friends. And so that's what kind of led to this discussion today was really that that key statement of their faith. Um, And so it's really just, you know, really talking about having those friends who can recognize your need. Uh, friends who are willing to carry you, you know, friends with faith that you can stand on, um, friends with eyes that are set on Jesus. I don't know if you guys ever watched The Chosen, but uh, this scene in The Chosen is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, uh, we maybe we can link that for the the people to go back and and watch. But it's just a, I mean, you see them all show up at this place, and it's crowded, and there's no way in, and you know they're seeking, they want to get him before Jesus. That is their goal. Our friend needs Jesus, and we got to figure out a way to make it happen. 
And so when they get there and they can't, they're like, oh, they'll just take him to the roof. <laughs> like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. To the roof. Okay. Let's go. Um, and so you just have to imagine, always think about like, what were those people standing in there thinking like, these, these, these broads are crazy. Like, what, what are they doing? Seriously. You know? Yeah. And then you come seeing them, you see the the man coming through the roof and then there's a one person who doesn't think they're crazy and it's Jesus. Sure. And so it's just a beautiful picture. So, um, yeah, let's talk, talk about it, guys. Let's break it down. You know, one thing I, I wondered and I've kind of looked at it, tried to research is how long was the guy paralyzed for? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I just think about in my life when there's times where, you know, I've been believing for something for a long time mm-hmm. and didn't see it happening then that's when I needed people the most. And so in my mind, whether it's right or not, in this story, maybe the guy was paralyzed his whole life. And he had never done, maybe he, yeah. his own faith wasn't enough because he was, he'd kind of given up. And yeah. this was, this was where I was going to be the rest of my life. And then someone, someone's his friends, um, community came around him and said, no, I know somebody who can change your life, who can heal your body, who can set you free. And it carried them. And I just know, I was just thinking about that whenever I was reading the story and us kind of, no, we were going to be talking about it. I wonder how long, because for me, when I've been Mm -hmm. sitting in hard things for a really long time and needing breakthrough, I started to get just, I don't know, uh, discouraged, really deep discouragement. And and I don't, I want to give up. It's not hopeless. It can be hard to see it yourself. Yeah. Some new eyes for the fresh vision. That's right. That's what struck me most about the friends is how deeply concerned they were, but how creative with his his story and with his need. And when I think about, you know, we talked about what does it look like to be a mat lowerer. And when you look at the example of these men, they had a willingness to give time and energy and resource to bring their hurting friend to the feet of Jesus, no matter how uncomfortable or inconvenienced that they were going to be. And they recognized that, to Brandy's point, we have no idea how long he had been paralyzed, but they recognized that there was no further human effort that was going to provide restoration and redemption to this man's story. They knew that there was one place he was going to find that and like Brandy said, when we have sat in something so long, we sometimes don't see a way out of that. And I can just imagine in my own places of feeling that way, we don't have the means or sometimes even want to, to try to get to That's that true. place. And so those four friends picked him up literally and took him to the one place where he could get that he didn't have in and of himself to get there. And I that's one of my favorite, most profound things for me in this passage. Mm-hmm. You know, hope and faith are communal. Mm. It's individual, but it's also communal. And the paralyzed man probably was so devoid of hope in that period of time, but yet his friends, even if it was a tiny bit of hope, they still said, if we can only get him to Jesus. Yeah. We, we've heard of him doing miraculous things. We've heard about him doing other things. But if we can just get him to him, then we can really see if what we think is true is what is actually 
true. And his friends talk about tenacity. Like his friends were a lot like Keisha, Tanya, Brandy. They were tenacious because you know they tried to weave their way through that crowd mm-hmm. and they probably tried to come through the front door, which is how in all just in common sense, you think we're going to go in through the front door and then that's not an option. Are you going to surround yourself with people that said, well, that didn't work. So we just kind of flaked out and we gave up. Mm-hmm. No. They were like, if we have to come through the roof, come on. if we have to tear this roof off yeah. this building, yeah. we got to get to the one thing, the one thing left that we haven't tried to get our friend back on his feet. And what you just said, Chelsea, was a good reminder to me that our way to the feet of Jesus doesn't always look like everyone else's. Hmm. Right? Oh. Sometimes... Some try, sometimes we try to make our way to Jesus look like everyone else's story, but his story was its own, and his his way there was, was very different. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I read this, this quote, and it said, for better or worse, our faith affects others. Yeah, right? What? I mean, for better or worse, it's, it's both-sided, and I think that that's important to recognize why we, we need to be always full of faith is because we have the influence, the leadership, the whatever the position you may have, or you may not think you do have, but you do. But we have the ability to affect other people's faith for better or for worse. Now, always want to be on the better side of it. Um, And sometimes that's a fight. Sometimes that takes fighting and putting forth that extra effort to pull, to pick up, to carry, to cut through things. And just do the things, you know, because we're going to be full of faith. And we talk about what does it look like to lower, to be the one doing the lowering. So let's talk about being the one doing the lowering. So they, the four men around the mat were willing to be very aggressive to get him to Jesus. But the lowering of the paralytic man itself was so gentle. was so gentle. So these friends of his were not ones that were utilizing the gospel as a weapon to make him change. It was truth, but it was also love in that I'm willing to lay down my life and my agenda to get you what you need and take you to the only source that is actually going to give you what you need. And for those of us that work in the healthcare field, if you've ever had to help mobilize someone who is either a paraplegic or a quadriplegic, you have to take so much care to not hurt them in the process. And it took me back to Matthew 7, 3 and 5 when it talks about taking the plank out of your own own eye and then removing the speck from your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. If you, if your child comes to you and they say something's in my eye, how do you remove it? Do you remove it aggressively? No, because it's, it's a vulnerable, intimate thing. You, you get a light, you get right there next to them. You steady your hand. It is the most gentle of removals. Yeah. When we are loving people. When you're a Christian, you're actually like, I want this person in heaven with me. 
you are going to take the utmost care to go on a journey with them. That doesn't mean that you can't reveal truth to them, Mm -hmm. but you have to do it in a way that you show them that you love them. And when that looks confusing, just think about what you do with your own children. You discipline them because you love them. You feed them the truth because you love them. But that doesn't mean you stop being affectionate towards them. That doesn't mean that you withhold love from them. I just think about what they had to do to actually get up to the roof and then slowly lower him down to Christ. Good. Kind of like we said, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. I mean, he had, they had obviously established that circle of faith and had obviously established that level of trust for them to come to him and say, hey, we're carrying you to the feet of Jesus and him not be like, what are you even talking about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. He basically trusted them enough to allow them to be creative and to be bold and to be tenacious in his life and, and to speak into that. And to even even be able to carry the word that, hey, this man, you've got, we've got to take you to him. He heals because we don't know where he was lying his whole life. You know, he may not have ever heard of Jesus or knew that he was, you know, the Messiah or healer and all the things. Like literally they took the word, they took the gospel, the good news to this man that may not have ever heard it. And so, you know, even backing up further before they even carried him, they had to tell him of the hope found in Jesus Christ. And that's so applicable to our everyday life of like when we see people that are just drowning in the moment, it's like, hey, let me tell you the truth. Like there's hope. Yeah. See it, but I've seen it. Let me tell you how I know because of what God has done for me. Let me, (laughs) let me inflate that wrath and we'll throw in a river or I don't know, but he's for a minute and and let it float up (laughs) on top of that roof. We'll get creative and strategic for real. I love the uh, gentle point you made, Chelsea, because I actually was thinking about it, too, and I was thinking they had to be strong to carry him in the first place. So they had, you know, like we've we've talked about fitness, right, for a couple of podcasts and the ability, you know, why are we working out? Why are we taking care of our bodies? And so I thought about that, like, I want to know that I'm strong enough if if I got to go lift Chelsea and we got to carry her somewhere. I want to know that I can do it, but then also the gentle aspect too. Like I got to have the strength to get in there, but then I got to have the ability to be gentle to take her down. It's really cool. Keisha, if I need to be lowered from a ceiling, I'm calling you for sure. (laughs) No doubt. You're first on my list. No doubt. A perfect arms for it. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) There they are. Like I'm flexing for those of you who can just hear us. Um, all right, so go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, Keish. Well, yeah, I was just going to take it to, you know, let's talk about what that looks like, what we've seen. What are some, you know, personal examples of lowering through the roof? Maybe people have done for us. Maybe we've done for others. Uh, yeah. What do we got there? I mean, I'll back first. Okay. Oh, okay, Chelsea. Brandy always goes first. That's what yeah. I love about her. No, you have to go first. <laughs> you go first. Um, I, okay. So the first lowering was probably when I was about seven years old and I didn't recognize that it was a true lowering to the Lord at that time. You know, usually we have these lowerings and we don't recognize 
retros- until retrospectively we look back, back and we say, oh gosh, yeah, that was, that was the Lord. How did I not recognize him in that moment? But I can remember it was the first night that my parents are divorced. So it was the first night that my dad was not in the home with me and mom. And I was so distraught. And I can remember, I, I kind of walked into our living room. I put my back against the wall. And then I just did the slow slide down the wall and just like sat there like a little pitiful bump on a log. Not crying, but just holding everything inside, feeling absolutely miserable. And my mom came in there in a way that you know, only a mom can sometimes. And she said, Chelsea, what are you feeling right now? And I was like, nothing. (laughs) And I said, and she said, that's not true. You have to tell me what is going on inside of you. If you live your life trying to keep every emotion inside, you will never make it. You will never grow. You have to learn to communicate these things to the people that love you and care for you. And from that moment on, I have tried to live that. And it has served me so well because before I just tried to hold everything in. Yeah. And on the outside to people that did not know me well, everything appeared fine. But on the inside, on the inside, I mean, that's the surest way to anger issues. That's the surest way to depression issues. That's yeah. the surest way to anxiety issues. And my mother gave me the key to unlock that cage. That was the first lowering that I ever remember. And did we even talk about God? Did we talk about Christ? Did we talk about any of that stuff? No. But what she was feeding me was the truth of God's word. Because God does not call us into isolation. He doesn't call us to shoulder our our own burden all the time. Mm -hmm. He calls us to be able to communicate to our orchard, to our community, what we need and what we feel. I think about how many times, Chelsea, I have missed out on the benefit of someone lowering me because I wasn't just willing to say, hey, I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now. And so that that's powerful. I can go ahead and um, kind of share mine a little bit here as we kind of wrap up uh, this episode. But uh, so to make a very long story short, uh, when I was born, I had a birth defect. And I, uh, five years into our marriage, my husband and I uh, found out we couldn't have kids. And so, you know, I had honestly felt like the Lord had kind of prepared me at, for the idea that, hey, that might be a possibility. Um but anyways, you know, walk through, you know, the things that people struggle with, uh, doctor's appointments, you know, trying these, this thing, that thing, and it just never works. Having people that may be a little bit insensitive said, oh, well, maybe you're not doing it right. And I'm like, trust me, I'm doing the things correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, um, I remember we were in ministry at the time. We were not lead pastors, but we walked through it very publicly. Uh, I did not want that. Uh, I wanted to be angry with God. I wanted to, I kept thinking about, you know, the verse that says, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I was like, well, 
that's not true, apparently, because here we are. You know, just all these things and just honestly wanted to sit in isolation and allow the enemy just to manipulate scripture. That's just not, that's not what that means. <laughs> um, but anyways, I wanted to isolate and be angry and not find healing, spiritual, emotional healing. But my husband lowered me in those moments. He was very vocal uh, with the church about what we were walking through, where we were. And, you know, it, it, not, it was gentle, but also forceful. And I don't mean that in like a forcing way, but I needed, because I was, I had my heels dug in the ground. I'm like, no, I'm doing this alone. I'm going to be over here while you do that, because I'm not going to be around. I'm not do, dealing with this. Um, but I just remember that was a major lowering point in my life where, where my husband just said, no, we're going to put this before people. and We're going to invite community into this space with us. And they, and they didn't run away. No. You know, I needed, I needed people to know, even when they didn't know what to do, I just needed people to know. And I didn't know how much I needed them to know. And so Tanya, to kind of go back to what you were saying about the way that we get to the feet of Jesus may not look like everybody else. You know, a lot of times when people are struggling with, you know, uh, not being able to get pregnant and things like that, they go through the front door and then maybe they, they get pregnant at some point. Well, that wasn't the case for us. And that's okay because I still received my healing, mm. if that makes sense, um, in so many ways. And so the testimony that I have um, as a result of that, and honestly, the trust that I have in my husband um, to recognize that he sees things differently than me. And it's a really good thing because who knows? I mean, the bitterness that could have set in and just the strife and, and not trusting the Lord, but that's just not true. I trust the Lord with everything. Um, even though I didn't get my way in that moment, I see so much purpose in it. And so, I don't know, that's where I can see there's so many more, but that's one that was a major lowering for me. So Brandy, I know we're wrapping up, but I want to ask this question because I've thought of this question before, because to the point you just made. So these friends, they have powerful faith. They are loading up the man who is paralytic. They take him to the feet of Jesus. What if what if he wasn't able to get up and walk in that moment? You know, people read this passage and they think, oh, yeah, okay, good for you. You got what you wanted. All right. What would their efforts have been in vain? Sure. Had that not been the outcome? Mm. That's a good point. You know, when we listened to a podcast that somebody sent this week in our group text and said, would you still love God if he didn't do anything for you? And I put me on pause. And that put me on pause because I know all the things that he's promised and all the things he's done. And I had to, I had to really consider, would I? Do I love God just because of the benefits or do I love him because he's the lover of my soul? Absolutely. So right. I will share with you and Keisha, uh, Keisha and I are going to share a little about our mat lowering moments in the next episode. But I will say in a time in my life when I did feel like I'm not getting the things that I'm fervently praying for. One thing that God said to me clearly that has stuck with me is that, Tanya, if you had everything in your life exactly like you wanted it, your story would be so boring. No one would ever mm. want to read it. We talk about the paralytic man because of yep. of the difficulty of his narrative. That's right. I, I guarantee you, if he had been writing his own story and it had been as he wanted we would never even have the opportunity to see this passage mm -hmm. on this page. But let's say he didn't get the healing. Would the friend's efforts have been in vain? Of course not. No. Because they're so 
much impact of someone else's faith to just say, hey, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I love you. And this is how your father feels about you. And if he's yeah. giving you a noble in this moment, it is for a much greater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so good. And just like we're willing to carry you, he will too. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to continue this discussion, but before we do, we want to get Brandy's here to there. Yeah. So my here to there is the family uh, plan calendar. So you can look it up online. It's actually from John Mark Comer's book um, on the calendar. It's a weekly calendar. And so it has, you know, all your normal dates and you write all your things in there, but it also has things that you're praying for, for the week. It has tasks, um, your word for the week, all these different things that you can fill in in addition to it. It just really keeps you on track with more than just your everyday life, but it also keeps you focused. You know, Chelsea, thinking about your word, like it keeps you kind of focused on, on what you may need to center you. Um, that week and kind of keep your mind on track to keep you from drifting away. So, yeah. I will order it today. It's so fantastic. For real. I need it. It's just called the Family Plan Calendar? Yeah, you can follow on Instagram all the searching for it. Yep. Okay. All right. What is for dinner? I think Brandy's hosting dinner tonight. I'll do dinner. So, um, So, honestly... I literally threw uh, some chicken in a crock pot and and some enchilada sauce and cooked it for like six hours on low. Um, And we had enchiladas one night uh, and that was it. I mean, and some bag salad, of course, because you always have bag salad, even if you're the only one in your whole house that'll eat it. So sunflower crisp. Yes, it was sunflower crisp. No doubt. Yeah. What was the enchilada sauce? Um, El Paso enchilada sauce, mild red sauce. Nice. Yeah. Sound pretty good. Delicious. I had like two minutes to make dinner that night because we got home super late and it was ready when I got home. Done. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We are just going to kind of press pause on this one. Uh, we got a lot more we want to discuss. So we are going to follow this up with our next podcast talk some more examples of lowering through the roof and uh, hopefully give you guys some more uh, fun stuff to listen to so see you guys next time bye guys hey bye. Bye.